Welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino Securities, Security Confidential. Today, we are honored to have Rob Odin join us. Rob is an Air Force veteran and a cybersecurity architect with over 16 years of experience evaluating, defining, advocating, and driving adoption of policies, programs, strategies, and technologies that advance cybersecurity. He has multiple talents. His expertise includes cybersecurity, information protection and information rights management, insider threat risk management, certification and accreditation, enterprise architecture, risk management frameworks and compliance, and some things we can't talk about uh, because of his background. Uh, but uh, we're, we're honored to have him for two episodes. Uh, and the first part of this today, what we're going to talk about is Rob's background and his journey into cybersecurity, because as talented as he is, I think his journey is a unique one and it's an inspiring one. And uh, it would be great uh, for everyone out there that is thinking about transitioning to cybersecurity or wants to make a career of it to take a listen to some of his guidance and his uh, roadmap and and uh, share his thoughts and insights. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So, Rob, we know um, you have a great background as a security architect, but what people may not know is a couple interesting facts. You were on House Hunters, right? That's that's a that's a side <laughs> note. But anybody who wants to search for Rob there, <laughs> you were on House Hunters. You uh, grew up in Alabama. Yes, South right? Alabama, or as we know it as LA, Lower as Alabama. <laughs> And uh, you spent uh, your first stint was with the Air Force. So describe a little bit of this journey. How how does someone with the humble beginning uh, get to uh, the place that you are? Well, so it's interesting. I uh, when I started my senior year of high school, I had an expectation like I, I wanted to be a pilot. It's what I wanted to do. Uh, I really? had uh, applied for the Air Force Academy. Um, I, and I was gonna in some ROTC programs because I was like I just want to fly. And uh, as once happened, um, a, a friend of mine and I uh, had a relationship, and uh, a little girl came about that. And so life just changed right in my senior mm -hmm. year. And uh, unfortunately, it is a very common story in South Alabama. Um, but I knew that for the life that I wanted to provide for my child, I needed to do something a little bit more. And uh, I college and the, the academy was no longer a viable option. And uh, talking with my family, I joined the Air Force, uh, kind of provide that. Um, it, this is probably a comment, you know, I had the traditional South Alabama experience. I, for a long part of my childhood, I did grow up in a trailer park, so much so that I knew the different qualities of trailer parks from the ones that the cops get called on to and to the ones that, you know, are a subdivision in and of itself, right? Has really? you know, the lawns. And so um, I knew that I wanted I wanted to provide for this new child that was coming in. I, I wanted to give more. And so I joined the Air Force. And when I first joined the Air Force, I didn't know anything about computers. I barely – the internet was a thing that rich people had. Uh, we didn't have a computer in the house. 
Uh, I spent there was some no time Wi-Fi in... or anything. No, coming <laughs> <in>? <laughs> yeah. there was. Uh, there were, you know, I had to go to my aunt's house to have dial-up internet. Um, so this was in that era. Yeah, that era. This was nine, uh, 90s, early 2000s. So when I graduated, was in uh, early 2000s. DSL, those type of things were coming to like Northeast, but really for Alabama, you you had dial-up, and only for those who could afford the, the computer. So when I joined the Air Force, they asked me, like, well, what do you want to do? And I made the joke. I'm like, well, I want to make money. So what can I do to make money? And they're like, what do you think about computers? I'm like, let's do it. Um, and that got my kind of introduction to from this redneck from the, the six uh, to kind of a crash course. Think of it like every week you're doing a midterm and learning uh, all things about computers. And the Air Force was just like, if you have a willingness, you have a desire, we'll give you the skills. And not only did this give me my start for information technology and become a technologist, but there was a, the final class that you take, it's about a six to seven month program. And the final class is they give you a room full of containers, two rooms, okay. you get split into two teams. And this was my first taste and desire into cybersecurity is they said, okay, you have to set up a network. Here's your pipe, your connection. This one's Langley, one's Hickam. So Hawaii, Virginia, to kind of replicate uh, a couple known Air Force bases. And you have to build everything. You have, uh, I think it was you did four or six hours, had to build up the entire network, set up routers, switches, the entire infrastructure. And the team who got who finished first and completely checked off, uh, got extra points, got about 10 extra points for 100. And so we did that, we connected everything. First thing we did, we plugged in the, the cable to the line, started setting everything up. And the other- This is from ground running, zero then, there was nothing. Nothing, well, but, but, but that, that was the expectation is that we would go get deployed and set up an entire infrastructure, just your bare minimum or tap into whatever was locally available. Okay. So we tied, we, connect it right into the, the line to connect us to the other site, started getting everything set up. And one of the other team uh, members from the other side completely deleted our profiles, was able to log in. We still had admin, admin, they they logged into and just started deleting stuff. And we threw our hands up, like, what's going on? And the instructor was just like, if you do that in real world, and somebody did that to you, which they would, you, you're gonna blame yourself. You did that to yourself. And I think of that almost 20 years later after that test, and I look at SolarWinds, right, that just had the, well, one of our interns shared our very generic, very known password, and that lesson that started my, um, as a technologist, as an information technology specialist, and laying the foundation for what I would build for security was really prevalent is that I can't be mad at the other guy for attacking me if I myself am starting off with open vulnerabilities or my configuration is not putting, let me first shut my door and lock it before I build, you know, put valuables in there. And that got me started. I was very lucky. I got to work with some amazing people. I primarily worked with uh, uh, aircraft such as uh Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance, so the U-2, the Global Hawk, the Predator, uh, got really big into UAVs, got to, you know, go to Korea, 
uh, Iraq, um, and just have an experience where you're dealing with all you know information sharing uh, uh, for different levels of sensitivity, needing to be protected in some of the the most crazy climates in the world, and in having multiple missions of why you need that information and sharing. And so that really started my foundation in information technology. And then all throughout that, uh, cybersecurity was a component of my job from uh, certification, right? Your, the rainbow mm -hmm. series, the DSID 6 for those mm -hmm. government heads, and then transitioning to what we know as the, uh, the NIST 800 series and ISO 27001 and um, some of your PCI and those kind of compliance requirements, all those things were starting to get built into and getting more thought of instead of just a, you know, system checkmark QA, but more of an enterprise look at how do we do this at scale and not so much for, I got hit, so let me, you know, block it, but take a step back and go a little bit longer. Rob, what you're describing, one thing that is just uh, is occurring to me is that you're you took a great deal of responsibility, both personally and professionally, for the situation, uh, and made the best of a situation that many others might find very difficult to navigate. So, did you have? Uh, I, I mean that. Do you attribute that really to just, is it just mindset that got you out of that trailer park in Alabama or is it something more? Is it taking that responsibility and having such a positive outlook and doing it or is there more to it? So I've had these conversations. My daughter is now um, 17 years old. We've been able to have some really conversations and you know, of course, you know, I talked to her about her own opportunities, her own challenges that she has in life. And there have been, you know, some really deep conversations about do you regret that? You know, the, I, I'm like, look, I, yes, it, it, it was a harder, it was a struggle and it made me grow up quicker. But yet it, being in that situation, being in a situation where I saw my peers and other classmates have so much more and me wanting to do that and wanting to do more. And then my parents who, you know, again, we started working, uh, I want to clarify, right, in the trailer park going from there, but my, both my parents worked, worked, worked. And then by the time that I was graduating, was able to buy their first home and continue to build their life. And so I saw really great examples of just hardworking men and women and trying to, you know, carve out a little bit of that American dream. And I also saw my own parents of saying, look, this, this is your responsibility. Um, this isn't something you, you can shirk. You, you know, uh, my father said there's one qualification to be a man, and that is owning your responsibility. Nothing else, no how you dress, no how you act, all that is what Great really advice. makes a man a man is taking your responsibility and owning it. And I think that drove me to want to do better for myself, for my uh, for my daughter, I I am married now and have two other additional children, so I'm very lucky to have three beautiful Fantastic. children. Um, but that drive really did come from that. It, it so there's a concept of the crucible, right? And there was the 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 story during uh, the Puritan age of right. taking a an experience at high pressure, high heat, high stress, and taking those impurities inside of you. 
and rising it to the top. And that's usually the only way that we can really find who we are as individuals and people is by ex putting us in those high pressure situations, putting us in, in situations that you know really make us work. But it takes those impurities out of us and it makes us a more better version of ourselves. And I, I believe that experience um, did that for me. It made me more focused, more dedicated, and more take more ownership of both myself and my career and my development. I think, uh, see, that's a, that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful story that the ideation that tests are not, tests in life are not meant to destroy us. They, they are very much meant to, they're opportunities to evolve uh, both uh, as people um, to a much higher level. And that power rests within. I think a lot of that in, certainly in the school system is never, I don't think it's taught that way. I, I don't think that kind of uh, responsibility is, it's not taught. And, and I think sometimes then kids who are in those disadvantaged situations, they have all the talent and the skill set, but they don't have the guidance on how do I make it? You had great parents that that set a fantastic example, and yeah. and, a, and a fantastic and showed you the, the how responsibility works. Um, we do a lot of work with uh, with disadvantaged school systems. We try and and cybersecurity is right now we have a flipped demand supply curve, so it's a great way for a young person starting out to look at it as an opportunity to get out of that situation that they find themselves in right now yep but they well, oftentimes don't have that mindset and and well, that so, so i think there's some interesting there's one how we come we talk to people about what is possible right so in in the trailer park and in the south there's this crab effect right there's this whole thing like like my mama's family she's from nolens and we used to go when i was a really young child we used to go on the the bayou and uh, you create crabs and you take some meat, pull them up and you put them in a bucket. That's got to taste fantastic, by the yeah, way. It does. It does. My mom was cooking <laughs> great. Um, uh, but the crabs would pull each other down and keep them all in the bucket. And I actually had a conversation when I first joined the Air Force, I was stationed in uh, uh, Langley Air Force Base in Hampton, Virginia. Um, okay. And I did Big Brother, Big Sister. And there was uh, some children that I was working with in Section 8 housing, and there was a conversation like, well, how, how can you really relate to me? Like, we, we have such different backgrounds. We have, you know, South Alabama, I'm here from Virginia, you know, there was uh, discussions about, you know, uh, race, discussion of background, all these things. Um, and... Yeah, I was saying, look, like the mentality, the struggles, I was like, absolutely, there, there are, there are struggles that you have that, that I've never had, um, and that, and that I can't relate to as well, but I can share how the, the struggles and the relations of the challenges, and if I'm not an example, kind of, here's how I did it, take it as just a one, it's one voice, and if my what I did, that doesn't work for you. Look for something else. But know that there are pathways to better yourself, to better your situation. Um, I have been very grateful and lucky. I've had a lot of people come out and say, hey, I see something in you. 
I'm going to spend a little time. I'm going to share some guidance. I'm going to share some words of wisdom. Uh, you gave me a chance. And there have been many opportunities that I had failed and I had fallen down. But I think throughout my life, I've been very grateful to have a lot of people come and say, you know, I see something in you. I, I think there's potential. Um, and I think for kids to say, hey, someone sees that in me instead of just being like, oh, you're the trailer park trash. Go get a, you know, you're going to just do this manual job. You're in this bucket. And I think for kids being able to see that, it's like, hey, you are the, if you let someone else uh, tell the story, you're a supporting character in your own novel, right? So you have to be able to take kind of that more on yourself. But I think if people don't know that they can do that or feel like it's so daunting, it's steps, it's minor steps. But, you know, I, it's, I, again, I've been very grateful and very lucky for kind of the opportunities I've had. And I've tried to maximize them. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. But it's continuous of being something else is, and I have conversations with young men, primarily for, you know, mentoring and I can share my experiences. Yeah. Um, I think life is not a race is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. Right. You're not you're not going. And it's not the distance, it's the competition. A marathon runner is not competing unless you're like the top three. Right. Like you're the, the Bezos. Yeah, if you're running a consistent four minute mile for twenty six yeah. miles, well Yeah. But but you're not for most people who do a marathon isn't trying to rank with other people. I agree. Their biggest competition is themselves. All these people are running but the person that they're competing against is not the guy or woman beside them, but themselves. And I think changing that mentality, I think, uh, I do think there's a, you know, I don't want to be generationalism, right? But like, oh, kids two days. But I do think with social media, I do think this, this idea of, oh, my life isn't as good as this person on Facebook or Instagram or what have you, instead of focusing on like, someone else's life is their life. And you're not always going to see what, what their life is. And the values of somebody and what they think is habit, you know, that's like trying to wear your dad's suit. It's not really right. going to fit for you. But taking your own life and then running that, that marathon of, you know, what do you want out of your life? How are you trying to build and grow from there? I think is really important. And I think a lot of times we talk about doing comparison, keeping up the Joneses, but like, what's going to make you happy? Is it more time with your wife and kids? Is it a life of adventure? Is it having an impressive title? And none of those are better than the other. It's just what is it you as an individual? What is your primary goal and driver? And then understanding that and then pursuing that. And I think that for me, having that hunger um, is a constant reminder is I'm never, I'm not better than anyone in this world, but I am better than the man I was yesterday, or at least I attempt to be. And that is, I think that drive is an internal it is and it and but i would the only thing i would say is that maybe uh you have to have a little bit of an environment that can catalyze that thought process yes. right yes. if you grow up in a household where people are uh where the the child is abused or they're constantly exposed to drug use it's they may never have the chance they just may never have the chance because Absolutely. what you described that journey from see you can you can in in the roles of life uh one role that a lot of people love to play is the victim because it's the easiest role in the 
cast, right? You, you don't, you're not responsible for anything. Whatever happened, happened to you. You had no control over it and always me, right? That kind of becomes their mantra. It, it's, it's, it's the way it is. But to become your own hero, you have to take responsibility and you have to realize exactly that you are your own person and you have an extraordinary skill set that other people may not. And you have to discover what that is and then go for it. The titles don't matter. You know, the job won't matter. If, if you can do, if you're passionate about it, I think you will be successful. I've never seen a case where uh, someone's been really passionate about something that they engage in and they don't reap some rewards for that extraordinary effort resulting from that passion that was put forth. And, and you know, I, I would agree with that to a point, right? Uh, to one, everybody has different journeys, right? Everybody has different struggles. And to compare myself to even someone who uh, same economic situation, but had, as you mentioned, had, uh, you know, didn't have supportive parents or had, there was the drug issues or having uh racial inequalities that get added on to it, right? Or uh, even women in IT, right? Some of the opportunities that were open up for me, right? There are, there are struggles that I had, and then there was a lot of opportunities that I had. Um, and, you know, the exception doesn't make the rule, right? Just because I've been successful from my background doesn't mean that everyone's going to be successful. But I think to your point is, okay, but that's just this generic version of successful. I think everybody can take on some level you're, you're, if it's a title or something like that, there's going to be struggles, and you might have to work harder than this other person right beside you, even though you came, you, you have a similar background. Uh, but I do think that you can be your own hero. You're going to have struggles. Everybody has, and some people are going to have a lot more struggles than I've ever faced. There's people who have, um, there's Dr. Kim, uh, who, you know, I think of, uh, who was the Navy SEAL. Uh, the doctor and is now an astronaut, right? Uh, who's just been like phenomenal. If I try to compare any of my successes to him, <laughs> you know, he went to Harvard. Uh, any, any of us, yeah. <laughs> you know, near mortals. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think sometimes we get into that, right? We we look at that, we look at our struggles, and then compare with your peers. I love having conversations with my peers and kind of checking in, like, hey, how are you doing? And their successes. There's a couple guys I work with um, that are CISOs of you know small, medium-sized organizations and even large ones, and have had phenomenal careers. And I look at that and I'm like, that's awesome, and it motivates me to do what I want to do. But my success in my career path is all going to be on what I put into it. And I don't ever want someone else to look at their career path and be like, well, it's not as good as Rob either at this time or what have you, but. That's don't I'm 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 just a reference. I am not your judge. I'm not your or no one like me. And so I think having that internal like what do you want? What are you going for? And you might have more struggles than me or the next person, but just that doesn't matter. You just gotta keep turning through it. And I think if you have that mentality, some version of success as you defined it, you will find. Let, let me change direction just a Please. little bit here then and ask you, do you think that uh, to be very successful in the field of cybersecurity, you have to follow a traditional path of education, high school, college, masters, 
become computer scientists? Absolutely not, with a caveat. Um, so I, I got out of the Air Force and I didn't have a bachelor's degree. All right. I, I was very successful. I had uh, training, I had certificates, and I, I had a clearance. So there was a job that I was able to take that somebody who had a master's science was filling. But that was as far through my pay scale and uh, kind of the job title I could do without having at least a bachelor's. Okay. Um, so I went to school full time, but I was doing about 18 credit hours uh, a semester while working full time. Uh, to finish my bachelor's, and then I went straight into my master's at UVA, and then even now for, I'm now finishing an MBA at University of Florida because I want to be an executive in cybersecurity to speak where I think for the C-level has to be speaking as peers. I want it to be able to understand the business, the financial impact, the strategic, all of that. Now, that's the direction that I want it to be in my career. Those things that maybe the formal education process uh, might not be a requirement. Some organizations it is, uh, but I felt it would better serve me for that. But if you're somebody who wants to be uh, an incident response or you know reverse malware mm. or one of our best guys on my team doesn't have his bachelor's, but he is wicked smart. He knows he can he can he has OSDP OSDE like he has the certificates he is just a phenomenally big-headed uh, brain guy who understands instant response can just crawl a network and when he talks I shut up and everyone else does as well so my education doesn't mean anything from the diplomas or whatever I have when this guy speaks about a problem I want to understand it because he understands it. So depending on where, how you want to take cybersecurity, there's a lot of different avenues for cybersecurity. If you want to be more of the offensive or like pen testing or, you know, uh, you know, incident response, right? You can have a lot more leadway on your education and you know getting in your hands. If you want to be DevSecOps, where you're creating better code or helping people create better code, having more of an experience, actually having code that you can develop. Is more beneficial but depending on where you want to take your career uh, depending on the the industry that you want to join there may or may not be more uh, check mark type requirements for yeah get you past the recruiter but I do think myself and my peers we have as we become in more leadership positions and we talk about hiring there has been an honest conversation about what actually does a degree bring to you? Some places, yes, absolutely, the degree is important for certain positions, titles, what have you. But a lot of times, it's having a, a willingness to show that you have a passion for this. You can show you have a familiarity with either how code is provided, IT infrastructure, the tools, such as if you want an analyst position, you know how to do that. And I think that's growing more and more. But again, there is a caveat that certain industries or even certain companies might have that just because they're in that that mentality. So having the degrees aren't going to hurt you, um, right. and they might give you something to differentiate you, yourselves. But I wouldn't say like if you don't have a degree, be like, oh, I can't do cybersecurity. You just that might be a hurdle that you either have to have additional years of experience, or maybe that company is just that's going to be their hangup, and then you have to go from a different company unless you have that. 
Sure, but I think you know shattering that myth is really important because we've seen it. I mean, uh, some of our best engineers don't yeah. have a college degree, and they're yeah. brilliant. Um, they know the topic inside out, and I would put them up against anybody of their any one of their peers in the industry. They, they're the the experience I, I, that they've had. <laughs> I follow a lot of people on Twitter, and some of these men and women are just. I'm just like like feel like I'm drooling over myself. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? Here in Kubernetes? Like, <laughs> and, 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 and they don't. And they go, look, I don't know how to degree. I taught myself how to do this. And you're like, I'm not smarter than that person. <laughs> like, I just have a degree doesn't make me better. Um, I do think that is a, a mentality that's having to change. Uh, but just with the understanding that I don't think you need a degree to get into the field. But just because I personally don't think you need it, that doesn't mean that that can't be a hang up, especially if there's a specific company you want to Sure, work there's for. going to be certain companies. Like if you're right. going for the big four uh, consulting firms, you might have a problem, right? Or if you're going yeah, into management consulting, you might yeah. have some issues there. And again, if, if, if you want to have like management of cybersecurity, right? The personnel, people, the resources. There's going to be an expectation if you have a college education. That's right. And if you have a higher level college, you know, you have some type of master. Not, not required, but there is some, you know, there is more and more expectation, especially as the CISO becomes more of a C-level peer. Some of that pedigree might uh, be expected for that position. But... Twitter, Netflix, right? Some of these organizations that are doing phenomenal. I'm sure that they're not like, yeah, this is the person we want because they're the most qualified, not because they went to this MBA. Program. That's right. I, I'm. You know, that's been a personal mission of mine to get <laughs> people uh, educated, quote unquote, uh, no pun intended there, on this topic that if you have the desire, the passion, and the talent, don't let that lack of a degree stop you from pursuing it. Uh, let me ask you this as well. Being an Air Force veteran, uh, we we work uh, with an organization called the Seven Eagles Group because we have a lot of veterans inside of our company mm -hmm. and, and uh, we try and do our best to support the veterans and, and their transitions from military to civilian life. What we have heard is that it is not easy for veterans to find jobs in the civilian world. Was that your experience or or not? So I was very fortunate. Um, and the Air Force, out of all the branches, uh, their job descriptions, their how do they describe, is more of a civilian equivalent, especially if you have an IT background. Um, First and foremost, getting out of the military is the scariest thing you'll ever do. I've been shot at. I've had bombs blow up around me. Um, getting out of the Air Force was scarier than any of that. Really? Um, yeah, because it's like the safety blanket, right? You're in it. Yeah, there. you're going to go through the suck. Uh, there's times when you just like, ah, oh, I don't really like this. But you have a, your pay. You're, you're not going to get fired, right, From unless you do gross negligence. There, there's a stability on expectation of how you give, like all the things laid out. You don't, you're not, I'm not going to put in for my next duty assignment. I'm not giving a resume and getting shot down, right, from multiple companies. Right. Uh, we don't, you don't deal with that. And so when you're doing the, tr when you're transitioning, 
first and foremost, if you have something that isn't a one-for-one, -one, it's hard to show like, hey, I have some really valuable insight, experience, what have you. And if it, there is a, almost like a, a different language between vets and civilians, right? How we describe that. We get into acronyms and there's almost a lexicon for all these different things. Sure. And if, when that transition, it's how do I get, I have to change my mindset that I'm no longer in the military. The military doesn't matter. You know, it just, I had those experiences. Now I need to convert them to what um, the civilian sector is looking for. And so much so that's not even just the sector, it's the industry that you're looking at. And so first and foremost, I think there has been a, a concentrated effort and one that needs to grow about working with vets and saying, what is it you want to do? What have you done? Let's use a translation service and putting it to where you're not getting automatically uh, filtered out by HR systems or HR personnel uh, because we didn't use the right words or we didn't use the right phrasing that's expected for this particular industry. Um, also, there's and that's a key point, though. I, I, I do want to start. There's a lot of automated systems, and, and we've seen it. Like we When we've taken on vets and then built up their resumes, and a year later they move on, they move on to some extraordinary organizations that wouldn't pay them the time of day. And a lot of it was what you're just describing, that they're not using the right language, the translation is missing. I'd like to believe that a little bit of experience helped too, but. <laughs> well, but it's, you know, so if I try to go in financial industry, right, if I try to go into hospitality, I have a very strong DOD intelligence community, U.S. government, and aerospace and defense. Those I can talk the term, the, the expectation, the pain points, all of those I can go in detail. Um, if I wanted to transition into manufacturing, online retail, fintech, there is going to be an exposure and I have to change how I look at the problem set and how I change my language. Um, and we sometimes as military members, we have to break our mind out of that, that this is the military, it's the way, we have to communicate how that particular industry communicates to that. So even though if you were doing something similar in the military, you're in a new industry, so you have to change, you have to define in how you describe what you did. Taking the same lessons, like the military does a really good job of, uh, tell me the thing you did, what, you know, what was the impact, uh, what was the result, and what was the impact of that. But putting that in terms and figures that that particular industry cares about, I think is is something we have we don't we don't serve or transitioning members very well with. And that's something just getting into that mentality. There's also, I'm hoping it's changing, but there was some concept of PTSD and potentially uh, military members being too rigorous and not being able to conform and transition to a civilian workforce or to that area, which is funny because most of us got moved into all these different groups where you have to go and relearn. You have to be... You have to be moldable. The military is like, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And then next next week, they can be like, you're doing something completely different. So there is already But they're a providing you a detailed playbook on how to do it, right? Often in the civilian world, you don't have that. Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Sometimes you have technical orders or, you know, uh, processes, procedures, um, 
So the military was all AFIs, Air Force instructions, and yep. even to how you dressed yourself. But there's a difference between like I, I would say like I used to make the joke that the difference between a consultant and a contractor is uh, you pay a contractor to provide you answers. You provide a con- you you pay a consultant to provide you questions. Um, and as the transition, right? Like, okay, here's what you're supposed to do. But if if I'm a senior, in, uh, if I'm a mid or senior enlisted personnel, right? Yes, the, the order came and do this. How that gets implemented, why that gets implemented in a certain way, is there any changes that need to be done? These are strengths that military members can bring to the table. Yes, we are used to standard structure and trying to bring that standard and structure. Um, but if you go into a battlefield, if you go to Iraq, I, well, not anymore, but, you know, right. form, that mentality is like, yeah, and that has to break because the, you know, the the plan meeting first contact with the enemy, right, not surviving, is a thing. And so having that flexibility of thought. Now, there is some things about, well, well this is what the TO says and this is what the procedures say, and it is, it's a safety blanket, but you take that away, the benefits that kind of the military uh, culture can bring to it. Um, and if a, and a servicing, service member who's transitioning can just understand that and understand that from the view of not, oh, this is what I did, but this is what they need, and how do I communicate what I'm good at or what I've learned to be able to apply for that? And I think if we can do better for our service members for that, uh, the numbers be better. Um, obviously, there's issues with if you were infantry, and trying to be in cybersecurity, right? There's there's the technical skill shortage, but man, there's Cyberry. There's members like myself. Anyone who's seen this, who has questions about this, please reach out. Uh, that can say, hey, go do these online trainings. Go do this good awareness. If you like, there there is uh, there are truckers that I follow that when they stop at rest stops. They're practicing code and they're learning Java and all of this. I'm like, man, like it's uh, Daniel Hawthorne who wrote the Scarlet Letter was very famous for quoting, "Any man can educate himself; most just lack the discipline to do so." Those technical right. skills we can build, we can share, and those those things that made you great in the military uh, can be trans are easily transferable if they know how to communicate how that can be transferable. And are willing to have the constructive criticism on, hey, communication's got to change. Your the 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 expectations are going to be changed. Um, but and you know, so one of no 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 keep I'm I'm interrupting you actually, and, no, and I good. probably shouldn't. But uh, one of the founders of Dark Rhino Security, a gentleman by the name of Tyler Smith, he spent a lot of time in Afghanistan in the infantry. Mm-hmm. And what you were describing there, you know, that from from infantrymen to founder of a cybersecurity company, <laughs> it was an interesting understands, journey. Understands threats, understands risks, right? Uh, and how to prioritize, how to lead people. Um, again, there's a lot of skill sets. It's just usually we get hung up on the the technical. Either you didn't change, check this box, or what have you, but that can be learned. That, you show a willingness. You're right. I, I mean, oftentimes we, when as an employer, when we're looking for people, I, and I'm going to pick on sales because that's been my background. Okay, <laughs> so I'm just going to pick on that for a second. I 
I don't want to, I can teach someone how to sell, but I can't teach someone how to be personable, right? So it's a personality. If you have, if you have that, I'm looking for an outlook in life, in your approach, in dealing with people, your ability to empathize with people, to understand people, to listen, all those soft skills, your ability to write. I, I would say one of the great, if you want a great job, know the English language amazingly well. I, th that would be requirement number one. Can you write incomplete sentences that make sense? Um, if you can be articulate and you have that mindset, then I can teach you the rest. I can teach you the technology. I can tell you what we sell. I can tell you where it matters, where it doesn't matter. All those things can be taught. Mm -hmm. I can't teach you the human element of it. So that's interesting because I actually do follow a number of sales personas um, online. I'm, not, I'm the guy who usually gets hit up like 30 to 50 emails a day. I get at least five to 10 cold calls a day. Um, but, but I follow this because there's a partnership. Technologists can't survive without sales and sales can't survive without technology. Right. We need each other because uh, I, that your product might be able to augment myself or my team to meet either be more effective or efficient from a problem set sure. or address a complete green bill. Um, but that's never a decision. I'm going to be like, you know what? I just had this, you know, this random scripted email that sent to me. Yes, this is, this is the thing. It's, it's the building the relationship. It's, you know, not being salesy, right? It's like, you know, just like all relationships, if you force it, it's not going to go. But I do agree. I think there, there are some salespeople that I've had really beneficial to get to know either on LinkedIn from a virtual or just in personal, um, and just the kind of the understanding of being like, it's not about a quarter. It's not about like, hey, I'm downloaded all this information and you should know. But it's a partnership for, hey, here's a difficult decision. And can I help you and lead this? And I, I honestly believe that my product or whatever is best. I've never been in a sales job. My other, you know, other than kids, but, you know, I, I, I hear stories of Mitt Romney and talking about how it's being a Mormon and going to door to door and hearing the rejection and being kind of having that personal connection of how that helped him be a better businessman, better salesman, because uh, it's kind of understanding your what you are offering, understanding rejection is kind of part of it, um, and building that personality to reach out. And he's like, he's just you, you have that. Um, and I do worry, you know, it's funny if, if I think cybersecurity is the same way is that I can give you the skills, but if you're not curious, if you're not wanting to make stuff better, if you want to do status quo, this is not a status quo industry. That's right. Not at all. It, 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 and I see sales the same way. I, I feel that this industry is like you jump into a river that's going downstream. If you don't keep swimming, you just have to keep swimming just to stay where you are. And you have to put in a significant amount of effort to go upstream. And if you're not willing to put in that effort, you're not willing to constantly be learning constantly have the humility that you could be wrong. There is no quote unquote wise man on the hill in cybersecurity because the domain keeps changing and second by second. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So if you don't want to do that, which there are some industries, you don't have to have that, right? Then don't get in it because you're going to get burned out really quickly and you're going to get pushed out. 
uh, I could imagine, again, I, I hear the same thing from sales, having that same thing, like, look, it is just a constant grind. But I feel like cybersecurity is rewarding is that if you have the drive, if you have the curiosity, if you, there's something about just getting it right, um, is that it's the most rewarding I've ever had in my career. I love, I love my job. I love what I do. It's not, you know, I do work some crazy hours sometimes. I do have some challenging problems where I'm just like, man, I just need to recharge. But I love what I do because I feel like I'm providing value. There's a mission I can support. I have a team of people that I work with that uh, that I learn from and I grow from. My peers also in the industry as well are so much smarter than me. And so it's always kind of passing information back and forth. And even though there's that constant challenge, constant growth, but having that is, is just the most rewarding thing I could ever do. Even if I was like a Wall Street broker and just making, you know, 10 times the amount of money I was making right now, I don't think I'd be as satisfied as working what I'm doing right now for the challenge and just the personal success that I feel that I have in this. Oh, it keeps a sense of wonder alive. And Absolutely. You know, it's a whole uh, sword in a stone where Merlin goes and says the only thing that you can look forward to in life is that there's always something for you to learn. And I, I, I think that's uh, very relevant and it's, it's driven me in my own career is that you be perfectly honest, 10 years ago, I didn't think this is what I was going to be doing. Um, five years ago, I, you know, I, I, I didn't know which industry. Um, and as I grow, as I learn, as I take advantage of opportunities as they come to me, and that's if I can pass on any words of wisdom. Um, it's, I believe I've had the success or the whatever success that I've had in my career and what I've been able to do is because I never let my past expectations shackle me to a path. Sometimes we start off and says, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And if I don't do that, then either I'm a failure or that's not the right path. Having a North Star, having a goal, having a desire is fantastic. But if you want to progress, if you want to grow, if you want to be fulfilled, you as an individual is going to change throughout your life, whether you're 20 years old or 40 years old. The things that are important to you changes, they might stay the same. But having a being able to check in with yourself, with your peers, with your family, and having the flexibility of saying, well, you know what, maybe this isn't exactly what I thought I wanted to do, but I'm going to try it. Uh, I'm going to have the courage to step out and grow, because growth is never a linear path. Right? It's, right. it's messy. It's all these things. But if you can have that, I feel that your personal satisfaction with where you are isn't going to be artificial. It isn't going to be about the Joneses. It's going to be about like you as an individual, what makes yourself. Obviously, you know, keep your true North Star. I look at my career, and as of right now, where I want to progress is I eventually want to be a CISO of a large international organization. Having the seat at the table, having the ownership of that mission space because it is something, and that is my true north. But I look at and my we have no doubt that you're going to be there sooner than later, <laughs> and then you're going to have to come back. And I want to want to know: <laughs> Did you really want this? Is it as good as you thought it was going to be? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've had some sizzles ask me like, "Why?" You know, but I, I've had some really great. My my own boss, uh, Michael Higgins, uh, who I work for now at L3 Harris. He's been a the CISO for the last eight to nine years. Uh, he's been a wealth of knowledge for me. Um, 
And there's been opportunities to take on things that I didn't think I really wanted to do, but I've done that for working on uh, the presidential task force that I had the opportunity to work on, to taking an opportunity coming down to Florida to work for an aerospace defense contractor, um, to you know taking a green door assignment. Any of what it's being is don't let your, your past lock you into a box. It's really easy. And uh, just having kind of that humility and flexibility is like if you have a great opportunity, go for it. And the other thing, is um, never wait for the opportunity to prepare for the opportunity. If you wait to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to change jobs in three to five years. Right. And then you wait till like the four years to, you know, to, to prepare for that opportunity. Um, if you do that, it might be too late. Because when an opportunity comes, it comes. And if you're constantly waiting for the opportunity to come before you prepare, then it's already too late. And I see that for kids for the curiosity and where you want to grow is um, because if you're saying, hey, I've done this, maybe you're not quite ready, ready, but if you're doing that preparing sets you up that you can learn on your feet. Whereas if you just wait, opportunity comes and you're trying to do a learning curve and prepare for that as well as do the job, then you're either you're not going to feel confident to take it or you're going to be setting yourself up for success, setting yourself up for failure. (laughs) I, I would, I, and on that note, um, one, we're actually coming up right on the hour here, so we want to be cautious of that. Uh, this has been a wonderful discussion, but what you just uh, stated, that you might not take the job, I've seen a lot of people do that. They shouldn't. I think, you know what? Don't be afraid. Take take the job that you might be least comfortable with. If you, If that is the direction in which your compass is taking you, don't wait for it. If that opportunity comes, go for it. And you know what's funny? I, let, I actually had. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. I actually had uh, one of my mentors uh, speak to me. Uh, you know, uh, it was about kind of growth area and comfort levels, and I joked, and so I was like, "No, no, no, I want to do X, Y, and Z." And he was like, "He's like, well, why would you say no before? Like, you don't, you, you don't know if this is, you know, like." It's not guaranteed to you, so, so why would you shut it down before you even have the conversation? Right. Why would you shut it down to even fail? And so, the, and I was joking, I was like, man, you know, I usually tell other people that same advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get burned by it myself. Um, and even for this opportunity here, I was like, come out. Oh, this is like, I'm truly what they need for this position. It's really exciting. It's, you know, it's, I think it's what I want to do. But I can see all the areas where I'm lacking. Or I'm not, you know, the imposter syndrome. We can't go and talk on the cybersecurity without talking about imposter syndrome. Um, comes into place and it says, you know, no, 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 you're not ready yet. You be prepared. And if you fail, you fail, right? But but if someone's talking to you and showing interest in you, then yeah. you have at least something that they think is worth enough that the other things they can get through. You're going to fail in your career. Um but don't allow yourself to shut down your own success before you even attempt it. And I think I completely agree with that. I think that's uh, it's very prevalent, especially for younger uh, side of us. Actually, younger and then the older, because then we start getting into a comfort level. Right. And I know people who started their career in cybersecurity in their 40s and are, are phenomenal now. So just take that chance. Worst case, you fail, but you can learn from that. 
and you constantly move forward. Fail forward, just keep moving, and you'll be just blown out of the way, based off my own experience, um, of what you can achieve when you just keep moving forward. That's, that is a great note to end this <laughs> segment on. And when we come back for part two, everyone who's listening, uh, stay tuned because we're going to get into some really interesting cybersecurity topics. Uh, but Rob, thank you so much for providing these insights. And I hope uh, to everyone that's listening, uh, there's some inspiration and you can find the passion in yourself to pursue what you would want. Thank, thank you, Rob. Jump on in. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you.